Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doylestown Presbyterian Church. It's clear these days it's tough to make time. Schedules quickly become busy and calendars suddenly become full. To that end, DPC is excited to now offer this podcast channel, which will allow you to hear a recording of Sunday's sermon from that day's preacher. Whether you listen while taking an evening stroll, driving to and from the grocery store, or anytime you get a free couple of minutes, we hope it can allow for reflection and spiritual growth during your week. We also invite you to visit www.dtownpc.org to learn more about our church, our various ministries, and online giving opportunities. Thank you for tuning in. One summer during my seminary years, I worked for a cooperative ministry group in West Virginia. The primary purpose of that organization during the summer was to help some of the poorest residents of the county with needed home repairs. The way the work was actually carried out was that youth groups from around the country would come for a week at a time. And my job was to get each of those teams to the assigned site and make sure they had the tools they needed. And before they would arrive, I would go and visit the particular place where a team would be working to assess what would be required. Since many of those residents lived in remote areas, my supervisor would often go with me on that initial visit to make sure that I didn't get lost. One time, we went to visit this older woman who greeted us warmly at the door and then welcomed us in the house. As we walked through the front room, I saw all kinds of old items that she had as furniture in that space. And then we went into the kitchen, and there in the center was this massive wood-burning stove. It was clearly ancient. And I can remember thinking how quaint it was that she was still doing most of her cooking on a wood-burning stove. That thought immediately left, though, when we turned to leave the kitchen, and I looked and I saw on the counter a microwave oven. (laughs) In that moment, I was certainly embarrassed about my suburban mindset and was so glad that I hadn't said anything about the stove to her. As clearly she understood, there had been advancements in cooking equipment. And it wasn't until my super and I advisor and I were leaving that day that I mentioned the stove to him and he said actually it served a very practical purpose. Often during the winter power would be lost during storms and so she needed that stove to keep the house warm. She was aware of the future but in many ways was still living in the present. She had a glimpse of a day to come and yet most of her journey was in the right now. Many of us have moments like that along the way. Some high school seniors who applied early acceptance are starting to get word about where they will be going to school, and I can well imagine that their thoughts are already moving forward to what that experience would be like, even as they have months remaining of high school. Someone who has taken a new job 
but has not yet informed their current employer can also find that they begin imagining what it will be like in that new setting even while they're sitting at the same desk right now. Even those of us who use digital schedulers can hold onto a paper calendar. And those who pay bills online can still print out a receipt. In all kinds of ways, we can have a glimpse of the future even while we live in the present, experiencing some of what is to come, and yet not all. That dual reality is actually characteristic of the life of faith and is woven into this season of Advent. Usually when we think about these four weeks, we picture it primarily as a time to prepare our hearts and our spirits to experience once again the power and mystery of what happened in Bethlehem. And without a doubt, that is a key theme of these days. That is something that we have already had in the past, something that others have known too, and yet it is part of what we do in these weeks. And yet the other theme of Advent, often overlooked, is this reminder that Jesus promised before he left that he would come back one day. We call that moment the second coming. And so Advent is also a time in which we continue to wait for that moment. Thus, as people of faith, we have this dynamic of already, but not yet. Both of our scripture readings lift up that reality for believers. The psalm began with the words, Surely salvation is at hand toward those who fear him. He was celebrating a gift that already had come to those individuals. And yet, as his verses move forward, it is clear there are other things about that experience that are not what it will be. He speaks of how steadfast love and righteousness will meet, how faithfulness will go before him, and how he will make a path for him straight. All of those are future tense. All of them are speaking of things that have not yet happened. The notes in my study Bible suggest that this psalm actually could have been written by believers who had returned from the exile. They had certainly experienced salvation in that very particular form and yet begun to realize that the world was not yet what God wanted it to be. That maybe they had come to see that faithfulness and righteousness had not yet met. Maybe they had come to realize that the path forward was not always clear, that God's intent had not yet been realized. And so they celebrated both what they already had, even as they looked forward to what was to come, living in that already but not yet state. Paul lifted up that same dynamic with believers in ancient Corinth. It came in the verses that we read when he makes a very explicit reference to the second coming of Jesus. In that era, believers thought that since the resurrection had already happened, that all of these final events would occur very quickly as well. 
And Paul is writing in that kind of mindset, as we heard him say, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ, then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed every ruler and power and authority. Paul clearly is imagining that the end of time, including Jesus' return, is about to occur. And even though he was wrong about the timing of that, he gave an understanding of how there could be a delay, as he said that Jesus must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. We don't have to look far to realize that we are not yet there. For still, loved ones die far too soon. Still, there are moments when justice does not occur. Still, there are times just like the ones we've seen this weekend, when a tornado can travel 250 miles and bring devastation to three states. The world is not yet what God intends. That is clear to us. And yet part of what Paul is lifting up is this reality of how we are then to live with the certainty of Christ's return, how we are to live right now. Both of those believers from the past affirm this kind of dynamic, and, and one scholar spoke in particular about what Paul had to say when he said, the apostle protects his readers from paralyzing pessimism and sentimental optimism. Pessimism overlooks the affirmation that Christ is now ruling and so despairs of the historical process. Optimism may treat the victory as already achieved and so fail to join in the continuing struggle with evil. In other words, as people of faith, we know the resurrection has happened and with it, our salvation has been assured and yet we also hope for a day yet to come when life is fully transformed as God intends. And in the meanwhile, we live and work as people who know even now how the story will end. A number of years ago, a pastor told in one of his sermon a true story of a father who late one night walked by his 13-year-old son's bedroom door. From outside in the hall, he, he could hear his son speaking, and he was about to go in and tell him it was time to turn the light off and go to sleep. And he could hear his son kept saying, if only you knew what I know. If only you knew what I know. Well, the father decided to let the whole matter rest until morning. And so it was the next day at breakfast, he, he said to his son, you were up kind of late last night. And the boy admitted that he had been up reading an, an Old West thriller and he couldn't put it down. 
and that as he had been reading along, the hero of the story was being disgraced by this villain. And his son got so distressed that he stopped where he was in the middle of the book and went to the end to see how it turned out. And it was there that he realized that ultimately the hero would be vindicated and the villain arrested. And so it was secure in the knowledge of how it would turn out that he went back to where he had been in the book and that was the point at which his father was standing outside the door. For as one bad thing after another was happening in the narrative to the hero, the, hero, the boy would say to him, if only you knew what I know, if only you knew what I know. That's what the psalmist was affirming long ago, in affirming the gift they had already received and what would yet come. That's what Paul lifted up as well in acknowledging the salvation that was theirs and yet the promise of the day Christ would return which on this third Sunday in Advent, as we continue to prepare once again to celebrate his birth and continue to wait for his return, it is a moment when we resolve once more to pray and work for the transformation of this world yet, drawing it closer to what God still intense. Let us pray. We give thanks, O God, for the glimpse that we have of your love and will as embodied in that one who was born in Bethlehem. We give thanks for the promise that he spoke then that continues now of how creation is not yet what you have made it to be and that one day he will return. We pray that as we continue in this season of waiting, that we might yet recognize those times and places when we can be part of furthering your intention and led by your spirit to then act with bold faith. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us on your journey of faith. Don't forget to check out www.dtownpc.org to explore all the ways DPC strives to be a bridge for Christ and a beacon of his love.